We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel. Jack, how are we doing? Things have subsided, Nick. We're all a bit calmer now in Nets world. Yeah, we've got a little bit of good news. You know, it's it's not all toxic out there. But before we jump into a quick reminder, you can find the Buzz on all streaming platforms. But Jack, where do you want to start? Nick, do you want to reveal that good news that you sort of alluded to? At least, you know, we take things with a grain of salt, depending on the sources, but... Nets Daily seems to be a pretty plugged-in source, and they revealed some pretty good news when it came around Kyrie and the big three, so to speak, and their future in Brooklyn. Yeah, this is a little snippet from the article on Nets Daily, and um, it pretty much just summarizes into the Nets are confident that the Nets will have the big three next season. You know, they're optimistic that Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and Ben Simmons will be Brooklyn Nets heading into next year. We also got confirmation from Kyrie on Twitch, or like it, it seemed to me that he was heading in the direction. What was the quote again? I think it was from Puppy Solo on on Nets Twitter. Yeah, it was like uh, he said uh, fans were pretty much asking him to comment on you know his contract and his future, and he said I'll say one thing, and he said you know we'll speak on it next year after we start from October. And again, that's a little bit of a paraphrase. So it's like okay, let us get a full season together, and then we'll see where we're at, type of thing. So, I mean, it's stark differences from what we've seen and what we've been sort of talking about it in previous episodes. So things do change rapidly within the Nets world. But one thing that isn't changing is the amount of assistant coaching news that we're getting, Nick. And we got even more around a guy that you've been certainly enamored with. I've certainly been enamored with. We've discussed at length before he even moved to, to Los Angeles um, that we wanted was Phil Handy. And we also got you know a few other ones, Long Island, Adam Caporn, Aussie blokes. I can't wait for hopefully, if, if that news is true, and James James Borrego, former assistant coach of the Charlotte Hornets. Nick, who do you want to start with? Yeah, let's start with Phil Handy. I feel like this is a guy we've kind of talked about for the last three years almost because he was the guy we talked about potentially being the head coach before Steve Nash was announced. And obviously, strong ties with Kyrie Irving was part of that Cleveland Cavaliers team that, you know, had the 2016 comeback, but also went to, you know, three straight finals or four straight finals. And he also was part of the Raptors teams that ended up going to the finals the next year. And then he was part of that L.A. team that won a championship in the bubble, obviously still part of the Lakers staff. But it looks like they're making some changes. Obviously, Darvin Ham was just hired as their head coach, likely to bring in their own guys. So Phil Handy's been connected to the Nets in the past. We had the Mark Stein report 
Uh, Scoopy Robinson also mentioned some things in terms of the Nets being tied to Phil Handy. So it seems pretty likely. And obviously, we mentioned on a previous podcast, Adam Harrington was let go. Phil Handy does specialize in player development, and that's what Adam Harrington did for the Nets. So it would make a lot of sense and for a lot of different reasons. And Phil Handy also has an incredibly strong ties to Kyrie Irving. You know, the the massive hug after the winning of the championship was Phil Handy and Kyrie Irving. There's a quote that I'm going to probably screenshot and put out via Basketball News. Phil Handy was on a podcast, and he was talking about him first coming to Cleveland and the role that he played in, in Kyrie's development. He said, Kyrie's an unbelievable talent. That dude is probably the most naturally talented dude I've ever been around. Uh, you've, for me, when Mike Brown hired me, it was about Phil. We want you to really come in and mentor this kid and help him be the best you can. I asked Kai, do you just want to be a good player on a losing team or do you want to really prove to people that you can be one of the best point guards in the game and play at a high level and help your team win? So, And obviously, it's much, much, much more extensive than that on the podcast and stuff. And I'll, I'll give it a bit more context when I tweet it out in the coming days. But it shows that those two have really, really strong ties. And it's not just going to be about KD and Steve Nash and KD and Adam Harrington. I think feel handy. Um, could hold Kyrie to a level of accountability that probably other coaches haven't really had the luxury of doing, which, you know, obviously there is accountability comes with 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 quotation marks, but Phil, Phil Handy just as a coach unto himself and, and just the skills that he has. People, I think the Nets kingdom are, are tweeting out, you know, him working out in the offseason and stuff. You know, Phil Handy's getting offseason tapes like Ben Simmons shooting the threes. And I, I think it'd be a remarkable add to this team if the, the Nets can acquire him. Yeah, and people have mentioned he's a guy that kind of keeps it real, you know, kind of holds the team accountable, is willing to kind of say some different things. And like you said, you know, has that great relationship with Kyrie. And when you have a great relationship with somebody, it's just easier to hold them accountable because you're not necessarily scared of what they're going to say. So, you know, I'm I'm excited and I hope the Nets can land Phil Handy because obviously the relationship with Kyrie, but he's also been part of a lot of different championship teams. And also it seems like the Nets need another voice and, you know, not to be disrespectful to Steve Nash, but he doesn't seem like that guy that kind of gets loud and holds people accountable. Maybe Phil Handy will be this guy that's willing to have some of these more serious conversations to kind of help, you know, push this team to another level because they were definitely missing that last year. Yeah, it's sort of like Darvin Ham from all the news that we've heard around him and his signing with Los Angeles as an assistant coach. He commands a room. He, yep. he just commands respect. And that's Phil Handy when it comes to, you know, it's the hardest thing for a lot of coaches to be able to balance, you know, the game management, the X's and O's, as well as the, you know, the the, the handling of the players, the, the personality sort of stuff, which we know, you know, Steve Nash is supposed to be good at. But yeah, in saying that, We'll, we'll we'll have to keep an eye on it, and obviously changes are going to be made, and hopefully they are changes that are going to be made to the better. And if we are hearing some of the names that we have heard, um, that could be a pretty good thing. You know, Adam Capon, you know, a fellow Aussie you who's know, had some really good success in Long Island. You know, bring some of his expertise to work with some of the young guys and and have a focus there. Phil Handy obviously has been great with player development, um, and obviously James Brager, who I think is was a little unlucky to to get fired in Charlotte, if I'm totally honest. But um, I think he's a, a really nice basketball mind to, to acquire also so we'll see how it does play out nick but any final little coaching tidbits news tidbits before we jump into some uh, contract talk around nick claxton and if we have time bruce brown yeah i mean jack do you think that you know bringing phil handy will help kind of solidify the nets relationship with kyrie irving and the the type of positive impact it could have there yeah no i i think no doubt because i think you know, there's certain players that have their guys and assistant coaches and, and those sort of things around the league. And I think that having Phil Handy just would give Kyrie Irving a level of desire and a level of, of comfort. You know, obviously, 
a lot of the the franchise has catered towards you know Kevin Durant, yep. and it seems to me that sort of Kyrie Irving and you know some of his. I mean, DeAndre Bembry, you know, was a, was a pretty close confidant of his, and it's not to say that it's been totally you know anti Kyrie and totally KD, but having Phil Handy, who is a, a part of Kyrie's maturation into being one of the best players in the NBA, one of the best point guards, and you know, in being a part of his successes, you know, as well, you know, being a part of you know his highest of highs, you know, that that shot that he hit uh, in the finals, and Phil Handy was there, you know, and Phil Handy was there to celebrate with him, you know, that brings that level of championship experience, a championship pedigree, and it's just like, well, okay, are you replicating those habits that we had back then, or are you showing a level of disengagement, you know, uh, and 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 I think that that's where Phil Handy can go. Come on, guy. You know you're better than that, mate. You know I taught you better than that. You know we did better things than that in Cleveland. So I think that having a level of history there, and you know I've, I've seen people say that you know the only other person that could probably keep Kyrie Irving you know on track would be his own dad, but I don't think they're going to be hiring him anytime <laughs> soon. Um, so Phil Handy, I think, would be a remarkable ad, not just for Kyrie, but for the organization and for the player and the roster, the coaching staff overall. Yeah. And, you know, like we mentioned earlier, he's a guy that we've talked about a lot, you know, previous podcasts, but even going back years ago. Would you have wanted him, Nick, over Steve Nash? Like if we go back 24 months or whatever the date is now, I don't remember the exact date of the Steve Steve Nash hiring. But hypothetically, in a what if world, in a multiverse world, in an everything, everywhere, all at once world now, I've seen that movie, great movie, guys. Uh, Do you think that the Nets made the wrong decision to not hire Phil Handy? I mean, uh, hindsight is 2020. We also don't really know what Phil Handy is as a coach. Maybe you could argue that, you know, the season goes a little bit smoother and Handy can convince Kyrie to get vaccinated. I'm not really sure. That's kind of seems like a little bit of just a hypothetical. So I think obviously Steve Nash didn't coach well last year. You know, that's obviously pretty apparent. So could have Phil Handy have done a better job? Potentially for sure. So I think it's just one of those things you look back and you're like, Sure, why not? It didn't go well last year. You know, at least this guy could have, at the worst, been mediocre. It, yeah, exactly. And look, we'll we'll see how it does pan out. But if the Nets are to add him a little bit later, uh, you know, it, better better late than never, as the saying goes. But what would be better late than never as well is a signing for Nick Claxton, Nick. Well, I just and, want to add one more thing, Jack. Sorry. No. Uh, and just to fill handy thing, I think you look at him as like the guy that adds like, you know, not only player development, but the relationship stuff. And then you look at James Borrego as just an experienced head coach in this league, just coaching the Hornets, doing some different things and dealing with just kind of a guard heavy roster at times as well. And then, you know, Caporn, we don't really know much about him, but he's also obviously player development. He's with Long Island. So definitely a different mix of coaches that could help this staff. But let's get to Nick Claxton. I'll, I'll also finish off with James Borrego as well. We're going back. It's been a while. We lost the chemistry a little bit. But in, in saying that, I think... James Borrego with Charlotte has coached, has coached great offensive teams. What yep. the Nets at their best are, a great offensive team. Yep. So James Borrego maybe is like, you know, a, a sort of lesser version of Mike D'Antoni in, in some respects. So, But that's not to say that I don't think he brings his own nous expertise that I think would be really valuable for the Nets franchise if they were to go down that route. But We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Finally, Nick Claxton talk, contract talk. This has been a long time coming, Nick, because we've had about 40 million episodes you know, come in between where, where news has popped up. But via NBA writer Sean Davini of Hoops Hype, he reports that the Nets are likely to match an offer on Nick Claxton. And he quotes executives saying that the 23-year-old wants a three-year $35 million deal. And uh, there was another quote in here as well via Heavy. Uh, he's not going to get more than a mid-level offer from a team like Charlotte or Chicago. And if that's the case, they're comfortable matching it, they being the Nets. He's restricted. They can match anything another team give him. He's looking at something like three years, $35 million, one Eastern Conference general manager told. Positive news, Nick. Would you Would you sign that? Yeah, I definitely would sign that. I think that's a move you're willing to take. I think there's also another reference. Uh, I don't know if it's that article or a previous one. You know, Sean Marks kind of wanting to see his players develop. He still believes in development. And obviously, Clax is still very young and hasn't necessarily got a ton of time on the court. And obviously, just looking at the Nets' big situation, you know, Clax is a guy that can give you minutes and he can play in the playoffs. And other than, you know, on contract, all you have is Dayron Sharp. So you almost need to bring Clax back. And again, obviously, big Clax believers here and think that he can develop even further down the line. But in terms of just switchable bigs, like I'm not sure there's many guys the Nets could acquire that could fill in that need, you know, without giving up some assets or giving up some picks or whatever it is. So I think you look to keep Clax. Worst case scenario, you know, he's part of a trade package at the deadline. You know, he's a guy that does have value around the league. You know, we heard reports this past year Toronto is willing to kind of send a first round pick. You know, the only way I think the Nets don't resign Nick Claxton is if someone sends a ridiculous offer or if they get a very nice sign and trade package sent to them. You know, if there's something that looks appeasing to them and could kind of help them fill potentially some other needs, then, hey, maybe they do it. But I think Clax is most likely to be back with the Nets next year. And in saying that, the Nets can offer Clax up to four years and $55 million if they sign him before June 30. But at the same time, Davini also reported that they, quote, are not sold him in, uh, sold on him as the big guy of the future, but at that number, they'd keep him around and know that they can make a move in a deal next summer if they have something better in mind. You know, as a at a three for $35 million deal, that is, you know, fringe starter money, if not bench yep. money for a sort of, and for a big, you don't want to like break the bank unless you've got your Embiid, your Jokic's, your Anthony Davis types. So having that number on the books as well gives the Nets a little bit of flexibility to make future moves, which I think would be positive for them as well. So 
I think it's a, a win-win for, for all sides involved. We love Clack City. Clacks will get a, a semblance of a payday. We always have spoken about the sort of like three-year sort of deals that, that Sean Marks has sort of been not in love with, but he loves to offer out there because he gives the the player an element of, of flexibility to, to get back into the market and also the team because there's a trade ship, you know, the sort of lower the lesser year deals give them you know, an element of flexibility because it means they're expiring sooner. Um, so I think that that's a, a bit of a positive as well. But yeah, there's just, and I, I think as well, Nick, you, we were discussing, you know, the X's and O's of Nick Claxton you know, in the postseason, And he was one of the few players that was actually pretty positive. You know, he's on off numbers. You know, this doesn't sound amazing. You know, when he's on the floor, the Nets had a 117.4 offensive rating and 117.8 defensive rating. To compare that to other players, guys like Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, they were all negative in plus minus. So I've got Kevin Durant in front of me right now. Now, Kevin Durant was minus 8.6 in the playoffs. Kyrie Irving, I don't think he was any better. I think he might have been the minus four. Let me find it. Minus 3.8. And Bruce Brown, who if we get time, if the next episode we'll jump into wasn't that great either. So all of them were negative and plus minus. And you got Nick Claxton going out there for a decent chunk of time, you know, solid chunk of minutes. Uh, Bruce Brown, mind, mind you, was minus 8.3. So the fact that Nick Claxton was out there and despite his free throw woes, he was a, close to a net positive, you know, essentially a neutral out there. Season where the Nets really had few positives to look at. I guess if you're looking at the numbers, the X's and O's and the behind the scenes of it all, Nick, Claxton is a is a guy that you can have out there in the playoffs. It's just whether he fits with Simmons and those free throw woes can be somewhat fixed. Yeah, I definitely the free throws are concerning because you're getting in a playoff game kind of becomes hacker clacks or, you know, obviously you could argue the two free throws he missed in game one cost them, you know, that game and potentially momentum in the series. So he definitely has to improve. But the great thing about clacks, he's only 23 years old. And that's why I think, like you mentioned, Jack, the two year deal, the three year deal still intriguing to him because he's 25, 26. And then he could really cash out for a big deal and then potentially cash out for another big deal towards the end. And I think just he's a unique talent and there's still skill that's on tap there. You know, obviously, I don't know if he'll ever be the offensive player we saw in college, but still room for improvement and little little glimpses of hope. You know, one thing that I think stuck out is if he's able to improve his handling a little bit, that quick first step, beating some bigs off the dribble and getting to the rim. We've seen him occasionally do that. You know, he's shown a little bit of hope in the short roll. Defensively, I think he was probably the best net in that series against the Celtics. You know, not even just on ball, but also just what he's doing off ball, blocking shots and just being an impact player. And the Nets need that because we see, you know, Boston and Golden State, both great defensive teams. And you need as many good defensive players to be a good defensive team. And Clax is that guy. And there's a lot of room for him to be even better. Yeah. And I think just him as a, a switchable big, you know, the guys, the two guys that stick out above everyone else are Bam Adebayo and Anthony Davis. But Nick Claxton might be in that sort of tier below them, you know, with you know probably a couple of bigs around that can just genuinely switch and not just hold their own, but actually be pretty goddamn capable. And the Basketball News did a, a pretty good article, great website by the way. Yeah. And they had a heap of stats, and I'll just, just dive into some of them because we might treat this as a little bit of a sort of season review for Nick Claxton. Finished the season. Seventh overall uh, when it came to field goal percentage, 67.4. And 80.80% uh, from within fit, four feet of the basket, which was second in the NBA, which is you know, obviously you know the shots that he was taking. Uh, he also was 88 of 94 on dunks, 72.4%. 
off uh, Kevin Durant passes, 73.9% off Paddy Mills passes, 76.9% on passes from Bruce Brown. Uh, as well, you know, he's cutting points per possession off cuts, 1.39, which was 12th among 43 players that had at least 100 cuts in the NBA. Also 6th uh, in term, six in, in, in field goal percentage, 73.6. Uh, and he averages 5.7 points per 75 possessions on cuts. So you know, that, that, that cutting, I think, is something that I was surprised to sort of read about uh, and I think is a real positive because but when the Nets do look good, the it's not just – it's obviously the isolation ball you know, is something that you sort of fall back on. But when the ball and player movement we sort of loved and, and talked about, you know, Bruce is good at that. But I was surprised to see that Clax was so good at it himself too. Yeah, he has a nice little niche of just like finding the right time to make that cut. Also, even sometimes using like his hands to point up, like throw me the oop. And even in the ISO situations, you know, making cuts when KD's getting double or Kyrie's getting doubled, you know, Clax just kind of has a good feel for that. And I think that's something he's really improved on. And, you know, with the Nets added, you know, another playmaker or, you know, even just a backup point guard that was more traditional, if, you know, maybe he had more time with Goran Dragic last year, I think that would have helped because there definitely was an adjustment period for Claxton without James Harden because a lot of his points just came off a of pick and roll, rolling straight to the rim. We saw more putbacks at the end of last season. We saw more cuts. We saw other opportunities for him to score. So, you know, you're just intrigued to see what he can do, especially growing with the team. And, you know, ideally you want to keep guys together, especially ones that are talented and have an opportunity to improve so you can develop some more team cohesion. You know, this will be multiple years of Claxton playing with Kyrie and KD. Yeah, and I think I've I sort of I think I've got it in actually my uh, my drafts. I'll I'll try and find it quickly while you probably have a little bit of a ramble about you know his numbers throughout the regular season alongside Bruce uh, not Bruce Brown alongside Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving so the two stars. But I wanted to just sort of see what that was in comparison to Bruce Brown because it was in my mind knowing that we'd be recording today. Uh, but also in saying that the locked on Nets guys, you know, they gave out the poll. Uh, would you give Claxton the $35 million? Only 52% said yes. And in the, a lot of the replies, a lot of people seem to be down on it. It's a, I just don't under, I thought I, I was a little bit, not perplexed by it, but if you sort of look at similar contracts, you know, Jakob Pertl, Avika Zubac, these sort of guys, I think Clax is in that realm of player right now. And I think it'd be fair. It might be slightly overs. He's not Robert Williams. He's not going to be getting 455. If the Nets do have to give him that, then it would be probably, you know, they're, the shoes, their hands are being tied, whatever that body part it is. But I was a little bit surprised to see that so many people, 48% said no. Yeah, I think it's just kind of the sour taste for the free throw shooting potentially. And also, obviously, Claxton's tenure as a net hasn't necessarily been super positive. It's been a lot of injuries, some up and down. Obviously, had the sickness last year with a lot of people hoping he he would break out the season. But he really started to find his groove at the end of the year. And in the postseason, he showed some things and he showed that he can be a playoff player because last year he wasn't able to stay on the court in the series against Boston or Milwaukee. But this year against Boston, like I said, I thought he was the best defensive player and the Nets can't afford to lose any player that has value. You know, he's a guy that they could bring back. And like we talked about earlier, he could be used in a trade. He also can develop into a better player and he's a restricted free agent. And 
the Nets, I think people don't realize they have so many limited avenues in terms of upgrading the roster. It's the taxpayer mid-level exception and veteran minimum contracts and then trades. And then with trades, you don't necessarily have a ton of tradable deals. You want to keep Joe Harris. It looks like they want to keep Ben Simmons. You could potentially move Seth Curry. You know, Patty Mills is on a player option and his contract isn't huge either. And then you just have the trade exception. So bringing Clax back is huge on so many different levels, not just for the player. No, it's it's it impacts the team overall. And speaking of the team overall, alongside the two superstars, Nick, in 161 minutes, the Nets had a 119.9 offensive rating and a 103.5 defensive rating. Now, 161 minutes isn't the greatest sample size of all, but man, it's pretty goddamn good if you're telling me, Nick. Yeah, I mean... You just think about Kyrie and KD and what they can do and having a defensive player like Claxton, we talked a lot at the end of the season, is like he's a guy that can help and recover. He brings athleticism. He brings wingspan. He can just kind of shrink the floor a little bit defensively. And when you have liabilities on this roster and going into next year, there's still going to be defensive liabilities. You want to have guys that can clean things up. Nick Claxton, a guy like that. Ben Simmons, a guy like that. KD's a guy like that when he doesn't have an extreme offensive burden. Yeah, and even to a lesser extent, Kessler Edwards, you know, yeah. with, with, with his maturation and development, when we saw Kessler Edwards and, and Nick Claxton out there, might have to actually look up those numbers. Those numbers might break and add nets to it if they, <laughs> are, if they are somewhat in the positive. But yeah, I think that it, you just got to, I understand the reservations about it and trying to look at it from the other side. You know, free throw shooting, you know, the, any little element, any little weakness in your game that can be attacked will be attacked in the postseason. We've seen that with our current superstar who's yet to play a game in Ben Simmons. And Ben and, and Nick Claxton has similar weaknesses in terms of, you know, he, and he's obviously not a great shot creator. He's a great shot finisher and a play finisher, but he's also an incredible defender. And what the Nets, the Nets need to be, the Nets can't lose any good defenders, Nick, because yeah. if you lose Nick Claxton, what are you going to replace him with? You know, a vet minimum big, that is a la Blake Griffin, LaMarcus Aldridge, these sort of guys. Their ceiling defensively goes from, you know, that 103.5 to like where they were, you know, throughout the year, you know, around that 20 to 30 sort of range, you know, it sort of fluctuated. Whereas in the 2020-21 season, they were average-ish. And that's all I think the Nets need to be. But I think with Ben Simmons and with Claxton, you know, if you keep Bruce Brown and stuff, then there's elements of like where it's just like, damn, this Nets team's got some got some lockdown guys. They've got some dogs as 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 like to say. So I think it is imperative that all players, some form or another, unless you get something in return, like you said, in a sign and trade with Toronto or Charlotte or, or wherever else, same with Bruce Brown, who I think we can discuss a, a little bit more going forward. But focusing on clacks, we need more clack city, Nick. You know, the population still starting to grow. The, the prices have leveled out. But as the postseason and, and as the free agency starts to come upon us and he signs that contract, the value for it could make uh, the population and the housing prices, you know, really level out to a nice sort of, you know, comfortable deal if you're looking for for some new property and, and investments. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that's the thing that's intriguing with Clax is then is the growth. Like, what can he be? You know, what can he be with a healthy offseason or a full regular season able to kind of build on top of things? You know, we talked about a lot during the regular season last year is like he starts playing really well, little injury starts playing really well, little injury, and then he kind of has to build himself back up. And you kind of mentioned one thing. You know, I think the biggest concern would just be how can Nick Claxton play with Ben Simmons? And, yeah, the fit isn't great, especially when you get into the postseason because that eliminates a lot of space on your team. But 
that's something you look on, look at down the line and you hopefully have other pieces you can supplement in. And also it gives you a little bit of, I don't want to say Ben Simmons insurance because obviously Claxton doesn't do all those things, but he at least gives you that switchable big and allows you to play a style of defense that you have at least wanted to play the last few seasons. Yeah, it's certainly better insurance than James Johnson as Ben yeah. Simmons insurance. I mean, and what's the worst case? You know, Claxton's not playing a ton and you have to look to trade him at the deadline. There's obviously going to be teams interested in him. You know, we were already getting reports that there are teams looking at him willing to potentially throw the mid-level exception. And like we talked about the Raptors last year, like switchable bigs are very attractive to a lot of teams because that's what makes it so hard to switch in the NBA because most bigs just can't do it or they can't do it consistently where Claxton has proved that's arguably his best trait in the NBA. No doubt. You know, it's a beautiful day here in Melbourne, according to the music that currently gets played at the end of lunchtimes on my break. It's a beautiful day to sign clack, Sean. Yeah, it really would be. And I think that wraps it up for us, Jack. But always a pleasure. Big thanks, everybody, for listening. Check the buzz on all streaming platforms. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.